on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 37th premium chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Mole People episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. Dear listeners, uh, this week, uh, due to Julian being in France and Travis uh, being busy writing informative episodes on the rapidly growing epidemic that is QAnon, uh, this week's premium was left entirely up to me, ya boy, Jake Rokotansky. <laughs> Messy summer! <laughs> Let's fucking do it, dude. Let's get pilled. <laughs> I want to get a couple things out of the way first. Uh, I will not be fact-checking anything that I write into this episode, <laughs> uh, as that is not really my passion. Uh, also, understand, uh, I have late-onset adult attention deficit disorder, so don't be at me to correct little things like dates and names and locations and shit, okay? Instead, I aim to bring you unfiltered filth from the dark corners of the internet, tales of both insanity and sadness. That's right, listeners. Buckle up and join me on a completely unverified journey into the center of the earth <laughs> on a never-ending quest to understand the mole people. The Hollow Earth. The sixth president of the United States, John Quincy Adams, was said to have one of the highest IQs of any president. This didn't stop him, however, from believing that the planet Earth was a hollow sphere. <laughs> nice. He wasn't the only one. In the early 1800s, many scientists believed that the Earth was made up of, quote, a series of concentric layers, each containing its own subterranean world. Uh, this world was illuminated by a sun-like heat and a light source at the very center of the Earth. The first notable mention was by Edmund Haley in the late 1600s, uh, this is the same guy who has a comet named after him, so he definitely had a little bit of clout. And still does, I guess, because that comet is still around, I think. He, and I'm quoting from his Wikipedia page, quote, put forth the idea of Earth consisting of a hollow shell about 500 miles thick, two inner concentric shells, and an innermost core. Atmospheres separate these shells, and each cell has its own magnetic poles. Uh, the spheres rotate at different speeds, and Haley proposed this scheme in order to explain anomalous compass readings. But if you've ever taken LSD, this is what you see. This like, is actually. Yeah, this is actually also also what spheres you see. Spheres turning around, spheres turning around, <laughs> spheres. Yeah, it infinitely also... small and infinitely large in both directions, and how we are just a, a tiny slice of that. Yeah, he envisaged the atmosphere inside as luminous and possibly inhabited, uh, and speculated that the escaping gas caused Aurora Borealis. Wait, now, how was it luminous? Like, what, what was the source? The, he just, he, he, he says that there, there somehow was light inside, you know, uh, like the sun bouncing off shit. I'm not sure. Wait, so the 1600s, like late 1600s, there was no light bulbs, right? Uh, Travis, do you know anything about this? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, I, there wasn't any light bulbs. Yeah. So he was like, this is, this is amazing. There is no source of light except the sun in this era, essentially, and fire. And he's like, yep, there's light inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, he was proven almost certainly wrong by Pierre Bouget in 1740, and then completely proven wrong by Charles Hutton in 1774. But, you know, still got that comet, though, player. 
that is amazing actually i mean that's what it's going to be like when we have the trump presidential library and the trump um statue of liberty and the the, and they've replaced abe lincoln uh in front of the reflective pool with just a bust of trump Um, that's all it's it's all about baby is branding it's like it's like even if you're wrong if you got the branding down pat the world will remember you yeah and and then you can force people to stay at haley towers yeah it look (laughs) as the saying as the mark twain saying goes it doesn't matter what you, what product you're selling if the brand is incredible. Yeah, that was Mark Twain. <laughs> the theory shows up in tons of classic science fiction, most notably the masterful 2008 film adaptation of Journey to the Center of the Earth starring oh Brendan Fraser. Uh, Wait, is it a serious movie? <laughs> uh, despite the idea of a hollow Earth being 100% disproven, that, as we know, does not stop truthers from trying. To defend it. How many times have you watched this Brendan Fraser movie? A couple. My favorite is that in the script, you've misspelled Fraser. No, that's actually how he spells it. With a U? Yes, I think. Absolutely fucking not. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Fraser. The mole people. Enter a dude named John Cleve Sims Jr. This guy is like the Alex Jones of the 1800s, and he added his own spin to the hollow earth theory, saying that the hidden world could be entered by a massive 4,000-mile-wide crevices at the north and south poles. Because of the earth's curvature and gravity and all that shit, he believed that one might be able to pass into the secret underground world without the traveler even noticing. So this guy begins to tour the country, claiming he's gathering 100 brave companions for a legitimate journey to the center of the Earth. And he wrote, I declare the Earth is hollow and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that it is open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. I pledge my life in support of this truth, and I'm ready to explore the hollow if the world will support and aid me in the undertaking. John Cleve Sims Jr. in Sims Circular Number 1. But there was more. Sims believed that the hollow earth was inhabited by a race of intelligent beings who have since been referred to as the Mole People. Not only was Sims- Wait, 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 stop here. Why were they called the Mole People? Just because they're underground? Do they look like moles? That's kind of the- They don't look like moles though, do they? No, well, you're going to find out. Human mole hybrids? All right. The getting warmer. Getting warmer. All sort of. Depending on who you talk to, which we'll get we'll get into. This guy, John uh, Cleve Sims or whatever, he clearly fucked many, many moles. <laughs> and, and he thought one day, what if the mole didn't die? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jesus oh, fucking man. Christ, Ju- Julian. When Julian doesn't have anything to read, he's really off the rails. Right. It would have to be much larger. I need a hundred men to help me get laid! (laughs) Well, it might not be as difficult as he thinks. So, not only was Sims hoping to make contact with the mole people living beneath the earth, but he was also very keen on establishing trade routes with them. We would bring the mole people our technology, and in return, they would give us, like, 
I don't know, high-end meats and cheeses or some shit. <laughs> they have an indoor source of light. Wouldn't that be the fucking leading right. offering? Around this same time, a man by the name of Cyrus Teed, a bit of a tinkerer, zapped himself unconscious while practicing alchemy in his home. This is all true, <laughs> by the way. This is not. I'm this not is the Jake of up. his era. Uh, he claimed that while he was you... passed out, a divine spirit had visited him and told him that he was the Messiah. So, of course, he took on the Hebrew name Koresh and proposed a new set of scientific and religious ideals he called Koreshanity, which is like a shitty like mock-up of Christianity, but just using his self-given uh, Hebrew name. Uh, this included a, a new hollow earth theory that posited that the earth and sky exist inside the inner surface of a sphere. So basically, he believed that we're essentially inside like a Truman Show-style bubble uh, inside of the earth already. Oh. And also, and also, <laughs> this goes back to your earlier point, Julian, uh, that the sun is just a large uh, battery-operated piece of machinery. Wait, so fucking, this is like the flat earth dome, but there's two sides Yes, to it, it's basically of. that the sky that and we, we live on the see dome. is uh, manufactured and that we are actually inside of the earth and we have no idea what's on the outside of it, is what this dude believed. Um, yep. So he then, uh, with these, uh, you know, beautiful beliefs, uh, he goes on to found a university that he calls the Koreshian Unity, uh, a commune governed entirely by Cyrus's ideology. Uh, in the late 1800s, they all moved to, wait for it, Florida, <laughs> to build what they called a new Jerusalem. But what? God fucking damn it! How was Florida already the place of already <laughs> even in the eighteen even in the eighteen hundreds? <laughs> this guy. That place is fucking cursed, dude. Fucking disgusting, moist, warm awfulness. That armpit of, of the goddamn planet, and no one has washed it in years. There's just fucking cheese up in there. So they they move to Florida, and they start to build this community. Uh, but one night. A fight breaks out in front of the community center. Uh, Cyrus Teed uh, tries to intervene, and he gets beaten to fucking death. <laughs> what? He's, he's trying to break up this fight, and he, you know, he he gets in the middle of it, and somehow uh, the the attackers turn on him, and he's literally beaten to death. Um, his followers uh, then put his body in one of the houses and huddle around it for two fucking days. Waiting for his erection. Or <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, waiting, waiting for his resurrection, as foretold in Teed's book, quote, The Immortal Manhood, which actually is kind of a, a funny wait, erection wait, sort of reference. The Immortal Manhood? Uh, but sadly, his body. My cock will never die! But sadly, his body started to decay. After two fucking months, a health official finally stepped in and ordered that the body be buried. <laughs> now, one might think that this uh, is the end of Cyrus T's journey. Uh, but sadly, in 1910, a hurricane destroyed his tomb on the southern end of Estero Island and washed his coffin out to sea. <laughs> this is, this is, again, do not fact check this, listener. Because this is true. Perfect. That is true. Look up look up Cyrus Teed and the Koreshian Unity. It's a real thing. Uh, 
Shout out to Carpet Grabber on YouTube who actually went to the site in Florida where their uh, their New Jerusalem was. You can still go and visit it. It's like a public park now or some shit. You may be asking yourself at this point, Jake, what the fuck does any of this have to do with the sixth president of the United States? Well, during John Quincy Adams' campaign, it was no secret that he appeared indecisive and weak compared to Chad opponent Andrew Jackson, slave owner and universe pimp extraordinaire. <laughs> Jackson was seen as bold and direct, and Adams needed something, anything, to prove to his countrymen that he was, in fact, the man for the job. And so, the hill that he decided to die on, Adams declared on the campaign trail that he would use taxpayer money to fund Sims' expedition to the North Pole in hopes that America would be the first country to make contact with the indigenous people living deep beneath the Earth's crust. In an incredible twist of fate and a nod to the general stupidity of the voting population, People saw this pledge as evidence that Adams did have a backbone after all, and it ultimately helped him win the election. Wait, uh, okay, so he promised that he would lead them into the hollow earth? Yes. And Make contact with the mole like, people. Mole people are mentioned. I'm not adding that. These, these are from Adams' own words. Is this, that, is this the thing like with Epstein where we're going to find out everybody's a pedophile? So alas... The journey never materialized. Adams only served one term as president, and in that time was unable to gather the funds and support for the expedition. Uh, Unfortunately, when Jackson became president, he immediately nixed the project and went on and on about how stupid the idea was. (laughs) To this day, no other U.S. president has attempted to establish contact with the mole people yet. I I mean... So wait, so we could have avoided slavery and had mole people. (laughs) Fuck you, Jackson. Yes, potentially. But, it, it, I mean, if anyone's going to try to uh, establish a uh, sort of a excavation to the mole people, I really think that our guy in office right now might be up for it. I think he would be up for it, which is why an- initially that sentence didn't have a yet after it. And then I imagined our current scenario and thought, <laughs> right, this could this could be our boy. Trump does look like a barely disguised giant mole. <laughs> Just wait. But who were these mole people that caused such great discussion? Are they real? Most certainly, yes. And we'll get to that later. Now, some describe the mole people as a race of humans who developed underground, uh, forcing them to evolve into a subspecies capable of living without sunlight. Uh, Others believe that they are all that remains of the Nazi party after Adolf Hitler himself escaped to Antarctica and now lives in giant caverns beneath the Earth's surface, still hating Jews. According to these theories, Whoever the mole people are, they survive through either the heat from the Earth's core, which seems plausible to me, or by sunlight bouncing off the crust above them, heating their giant caverns, which also seems plausible, but admittedly less so. In an effort Mm -hmm. to paint the most accurate picture possible, I have traced the myths of the mole people and hollow Earth back to the very first mentions of them. While both Greek, Jewish, and Christian philosophy regard hell as an actual place under the Earth's surface that some claim to have traveled to, one of the first mentions of a civilization that lives underground comes to us in the form of the epic tale of Gilgamesh, which also happens to be the name of a folder that I hid all my porn in on the family computer in high school. (laughs) Gilgamesh? Dude. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, because my th- my thinking at the time was that, you know, no one would ever think to click on such a boring folder. And as far as I know, 
until the listening of this episode, uh, neither of my parents uh, knew about it. Um, you just called the folder uh, Torah Scriptures. <laughs> Bar Mitzvah Studies. <laughs> so, as the story goes, Gilgamesh and his boy Ankito get busted for stealing a fuck ton of trees from this forbidden forest. And the gods punish them, causing Gilgamesh's boy to get sick and die a slow, painful death. But not before sharing his vision of the underworld with Gilgamesh. He becomes so grief-stricken and terrified at his own mortality that Gilgamesh sets out on a journey to hunt down the Mesopotamian version of Moses, who had been granted eternal life after the floods. Some shit like that. So basically, uh, he walks into this mountain. It, it's guarded by these like giant scorpion men and women. Like it, it's crazy, and like they're gonna kill. Wait, there's scorpions? Wait, yeah. what is this second species? Yeah, it, there's like scorpion men, and they basically he he pleads with them to let them through because you know this like the Mesopotamian Moses like lives on the other side of the mountain, and he's got to get to him. And so basically, what happens is. Gilgamesh walks into the mountain, and inside, there's this beautiful, lush garden and a secret ocean. Uh, so this is like the first literary mention of an inner Earth ecosystem, as far as this researcher is aware and concerned. Don't look it up. Uh, many in the Hollow Earth community believe that the world beneath the world looks just as it's described in the Book of Gilgamesh. Beautiful, rich gardens with wild-growing vegetables and never-before-seen wildlife. A paradise to all who lay eyes upon it. Others describe it as a cursed place where wild creatures roam, a place not meant for the above-ground man. In ancient Celtic folklore, there's a myth about the Cruachan, or, quote, Ireland's Gate to Hell, located in Rathcrogan, one of the six royal sites of Ireland. Apparently, at this site exists a large cave, and many people believed it was an entrance to the other world. There are many tales of people claiming to see monsters that emerged at its entrance, just standing and looking at people before disappearing back into darkness, which honestly, to me, sounds scary as fuck. Sounds like 8chan. Yeah. And of course, as we mentioned in our crossover episode with Trash Future, which you should definitely listen to, uh, there is the infamous uh, Hyperborea, an ancient myth that supposes that beyond the North Pole exists a perfect paradise filled with Aryan giants. Other notable pre-20th century mole people literature include Giacomo Casanova's 1788 Icosamron, a five-volume, 1,800-page story of a brother and sister who fall into the earth and discover the subterranean utopia of the Megamicras, a race of multicolored hermaphroditic dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck, uh, dude, the, the Italians have not changed. His, his description, uh, and I did lots of research on this, is the most comprehensive analysis of an underground society. Uh, in the book, uh, the Megamicras, which translates to Big Little uh, Society, is divided into 80 kingdoms with over 30 billion inhabitants. They're tiny, little, multicolored people who are vegetarian, uh, relying mostly on the sustenance of their life partner's breast milk. Uh, what <laughs> they, the fuck? They communicate via songs and hymns. Uh, even their language is just a palette of colors representing the various notes they sing to communicate. Uh, they do eat fish, uh, but only because... They've evolved to be able to breathe underwater. Uh, in the book... So wait, okay, wait, wait. So get, let me get this right. So they're vegetarians. They speak in colors, and yes. they spend a lot of their day sucking on tits. They speak in song. This sounds fucking amazing. This I want to travel to this beautiful place. Well, wait no further, because in the book, uh, Casanova goes on to describe... Megamicris. 
The external structure of their bodies is the same as ours, but with remarkable color variations. The red ones had big blue eyes with a red iris and a green pupil. Their lips and tongue were green, and instead of teeth, their jaws were each composed of 30 white balls which were not bone but hard cartilage. Their nails, like their eyelids, were green, and their pretty curly, frizzy hair covered their heads. Their chests made us think that they were female, for their breasts began to swell at the base of the neck and ended proportionately in the hollow of the stomach and had a green nipple in the middle. But looking more closely, we thought them male. Later we learned that they were neither male <laughs> nor female, since one can be neither one nor the other in a world where no one realized that the human species needed to be divided into sexes. We called them the androgynous. Wait, this is, a, this is fucking amazing, okay? This is liberal utopia. You suck nipples all day, everybody's <laughs> trans, vegetarians. We called them androgynous to give them a name which in some way described them. Uh, but one should not imagine that they resembled the androgynous of Plato, uh, for their conformation is different and unique. What amazed them most about us were the sexual differences between my sister and me. They saw on me what my sister did not have, and my chest was lacking what should have been there. These two defects made us unimaginable creatures in their eyes. <laughs> Wait, so they were like, your sister has great tits, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, then he goes on to write about nourishment. Seeing us trying to drink from our empty bottles, uh, the two leaders danced up to us, singing a pretty little aria, and then uh, lay down beside us. Uh, embracing us tenderly, they began to kiss our dry mouths with the sweetest kisses. <laughs> wait, wait, they have opera? They have fucking opera? And then, with an exuberant joy, they put their breasts to our mouths, we did not hesitate an instant. <laughs> You've been listening to a premium episode sample of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. We refuse to allow corporate advertisement on our show. The goal is to be completely self-sustainable. For a fiver a month, you can support the podcast and get access to a weekly premium episode, plus all the ones we've already recorded. So visit patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month. Thank you, guys. We love you.